Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, amigas, and welcome back to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. And today I have a very special surprise. I'm continuing the trajectory of having men on this podcast. And these men, these two incredible men, um, are my brothers. And they they work for the company, Toppy Brothers Company, and also with Kitchen Cuts. And But they decided to... Um, do their own company. And that's called La Bodega Brewing Company. And so let me tell you a little bit about them um, before we start this interview. So Raul Tapia Jr. is the vice president of operations for not only Tapia Brothers, but for Kitchen Cuts. And he's obviously the son to Raul Tapia. And he's referred throughout the industry as Junior. And um, as he graduated from the University of California, Santa Barbara, Junior came on board full-time in 2000 at the company, and he oversees and is part of all the daily activities at Tapia Brothers. And with 15 years of experience in purchasing and impeccable management skills, Junior is an essential component to the Tapia Brothers team. So we also come across my youngest brother. His name is Eric Tapia, and he's the vice president of sales for Tapia Brothers and Kitchen Cuts. Eric is the youngest son of Raul Tapia, and in 2011, after a successful campaign as general manager of our Phoenix division, which he oversaw and opened himself in 2006, um, he then came to back to LA and um, he came over to work at the Maywood office as a vice president of sales in 2011 and now is in charge of key accounts. He's also the boss to 38 sales executives and four divisions. Eric graduated from Fresno State University in 2006, where he graduated with a bachelor's of science in business administration. So it's no wonder that they decided to um, 
kind of final, you know, go in the same direction as our father and open up a company. And they're going to talk about a lot about the brewing industry and how it all started and just all the, the uphills and battles that they had to undergo to open up this beautiful, amazing brewing company, which is set to open up, hopefully cross fingers after Thanksgiving weekend. Um, so hopefully if all goes well, I'll catch you over there with a beer. So without further ado, this is Raul Tapia Jr. and Eric Tapia. Hello, 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 amigas and uh, to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. So this uh, November is all about Thanksgiving and it's all about family and really living a life of gratitude. And I felt that it was super important to have another family member uh, jump on this beautiful podcast, Amiga Handle Your Shit. And I have my brothers and my brothers work uh, presently at Tapi Brothers Company and Kitchen Cuts. But what is so new and different is the fact that they have uh, started a new endeavor. And we're going to really dive deep into that new endeavor. And it's called La Bodega Brewing Company. And um, so without further ado, let's get straight talking to these amazing bros that I have who are who were younger than me, just, just to say. They learned from the best, and that would be me. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Kidding. Not kidding. Not kidding. <laughs> Not kidding. Okay, so, well, uh, please introduce yourselves. So let's start with the oldest. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Raul Tapia Jr., currently VP of Operations for Tapia Brothers and uh, Kitchen Cuts. And now, <laughs> and I see Eric is like, what? <laughs> what about you, Eric? Hi, um, my name is Eric Tapia. I'm the Vice President of Sales for Tapia Brothers and Kitchen Cuts. And uh, jumping into uh, the roles of, uh, of part owners of La Bodega Brewing with my brother and also Abraham Mercado, who's our brewmaster and partner. Oh, wonderful. Well, welcome, guys. I, I love that you guys are here and you're here to share your message, your tips, your tools, and how to jump into something, a new adventure, because it is not only exciting, but it's also risky, right? Because there's so many things that you have to think about in terms of opening up a new venture. And we have a wonderful role model, which is our father, Raul Tapia, who is the president of Tapia Brothers Company, who I had the pleasure of interviewing last week. So this week, it's all about my brothers. So, okay. So now you've been working at Tapia Brothers since we know, since you were young and have gone through the steps because I think we all have worked at Tapia Brothers at, at some form and capacity since we were young. Now that you guys are VP of operations and VP of sales, now this whole new idea, new concept. So how did this come about? How did La Bodega Brewing Company come to fruition? Because you don't just go from the corporate side and jump into entrepreneur side. So I'd love to know your tips. Well, I think uh, it all started. We were uh, at my house, uh, Eric and I, one day, and we were just hanging out, watching a football game, having a beer. And we we're in the kitchen. We start talking about beer, like, oh, yeah, this beer. I forget what beer we we're having. And uh, at that point, I mean, we really didn't have any hobbies other than work. 
you know, um, and it was like, oh, we should, you know, get into something. He's like, oh, Eric's like, well, we can try making beer. I'm like, beer, dude, I, I don't know how to make beer. Like, <laughs> how do we even go about it? I mean, now you can go on YouTube and do all this stuff and, and do all your research and try to do it, but you always need someone, a resource to guide you through those steps. And then lo and behold, Eric's like, well, his best bud, Abe, has been brewing beer for like 10 years. And we're like, I'm like, really, Abe? Are you serious? He's like, yeah, they're pretty good. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, see if they'll have them uh, reach out to him and let us know what we need to do, what ingredients, and if he can help us out. So he texts him right there and then, and he's like, yeah, sure, do whatever you guys want. You know, I think that following weekend, you know, he gave us all the ingredients and everything, and we started with uh, brewing a, a pale ale. And, and it was really just a brew kit that we bought. We didn't mill any grain. We didn't do anything like that. Um, so we already bought it pre-made and just boiled it. And that essentially added the, the yeast and let it ferment. And we had beer. We're like, oh, well, you know, this is not too hard. Um, <laughs> maybe let's, let's, let's try another one. So then he's Let's try there. to really make it. <laughs> you guys really did the baby step one. Uh, you know, let's get the mill. Let's get the grain. Let's do it right. And uh, so the next one we made was a, uh, a Marzen. And I, and I want to say the Marzen, we caked it. And at Alexia's birthday party, we had it there oh. for the family. All right, let me stop you there. <laughs> let me stop you there. Okay. <laughs> so there's a bunch of names that are being thrown out here. And, um, I, and I do definitely want to get Eric in this. Um, so there's this name, Abe. And so Abe is Abraham Mercado, and which is the most interesting part about this. It's a full circle for me because I went to high school with Abe's brother. Now, here is the, the uh, synchronicity of, of it all is that Eric went to Fresno State. And lo and behold, who is his roommate? Abraham. Abraham Mercado. Abraham Mercado. And on to top it off, uh, he went to grade school since first grade with Jessica, which is my wife. So that's how I met Jessica. So he's been kind of the, the connect for, for everything in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> and so for amigas out there listening, like there is synchronicities in everything you do and always be on the lookout because those are just divine blessings that are being thrown out there. So, all right. So this is Abraham. Okay. So Abraham comes and shows you the ingredients and all that stuff. But how is, does Abraham become part of this new venture? Like at what point did you say, okay, well, yeah, this is a hobby, but let's make it a, a something, something big. Yeah. Well, Abraham, him being my best friend, you know how guys kid and ah, I don't think it's gonna be that good. And just, just talking smack on, on his capabilities of producing beer. And I finally tried it for the first time. Like, damn, I, I can't make fun of him anymore. This is actually really good. <laughs> so going back and forth and, and working with him, with uh, my brother as well, with Raul in, uh, in his garage. It first started in my place, in, in my house. And at the time, we were pregnant with our, our first son. And, and we, we were just making a mess. And just to, just to alleviate the pain in our home, because we had so many things going on, my brother offered and we started producing beer at his house. Um, and while doing so, we just 
created a great bond and we, we saw that we could work together and we saw the opportunities, the sequences of, of Abraham doing such a great job on his recipes and us having a distribution network to, to partner up with Tapia and being able to cover uh, our customer base through Tapia and sell them beer. So we saw it as an opportunity to, to add to our portfolio of products or our product mix. Um, one thing in the craft world that we tend to see is they get lost in the shuffle in the distribution network. Uh, it, you have to have a lot of money to throw at a distributor or, or have uh, to promote your, your beer and your brand. Where with us, we're coming in sync with our, our labels, our marketing, our, our uh, product, and kind of throwing all that good mix into our own distribution network where our sales team is focused on our beer and our label and being able to promote our brand, essentially, and focus on just our brand. Um, where we could arrive to a customer and not only sell them a keg of beer, but be profitable. Because why? Because we're selling the rest of the items. So in the distribu- for a distributor, it's all about your drops. And as far as it making money, you got to be profitable on each drop. Um, so we saw the opportunities there. We could add a case of beer and, and still be profitable as long as we distribute the rest of the product. Now we could be more aggressive on the streets and have our customer base throughout our eight states of service uh, being able to buy our product. So we saw it as an opportunity and, and, and the goal to expand and keep on growing. Um, so that's where we kind of brought everything into fruition with Abraham's recipes, with our mentality on the distribution side and, and our, our connection with our customer base and already knowing the customer, being able to walk in there and, and, and sell them an item and they know who they're buying from because they've already been serviced by us and they trust our service. They trust um, the efforts of my brother and I and, and the rest of the team. So we saw it as a, as a great opportunity um, and, and just a way to expand and keep on growing throughout the years. Uh, our parents set us up with a, a great life and, and a great business that we all we want to do is keep on adding to it and keep on growing. So adding to it and keep on growing. So in that, in that uh, mindset of adding and keep on growing, you guys decided to have an actual hub, right? And um, I'd like to know a little bit more about that because, you know, it takes a lot of money and a lot of time to open a brick and mortar place. So if you could elaborate on something on that, please. Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing is time, right? can't make more of it you can't rewind the clock you don't know what's in front of you so it's it's really you got to put the time and effort we put in bids for many places many leases and for whatever reason uh it didn't quite pan out you know the landlord pulled out the last minute uh the owner of the property didn't want to sell it to us in the last minute you know, the roof needed work. So we went back to the landlord and said, hey, you know, can you, and they said, no, this is all you get. So, I mean, we must have looked at over 15, 20 different locations. And, you know, we, we first wanted to be in downtown LA. That's the name. It's really Los Angeles Bodega Brewing Company, but it's La Bodega Brewing Company. So, you know, we always had our mindset, we want to be in LA, but we're in LA County, so Whittier. We're from Whittier, and we, we really looked at different places in Whittier, but nothing came up until this one building 
this this optometrist uh, building that that we're in now was available. And you know, number one, it's convenient for us. Obviously, uh, a five ten minute drive from our house houses. Um, and also, Abe recently moved into the area, so it's perfect for him as well. But it, it all worked out. I mean, it's really time is is really the key factor. Going to there, you, you gotta you have to try and look at different opportunities, different buildings, and, and see what's there. We're you know, there's never going to be the perfect fit. Maybe one out of a thousand times going to be the perfect fit, but you got to make it work where you're at. You know, we our idea we wanted a big place with a beer garden that people can enjoy our beer outside and hang out and have a nice uh, experience but that was you know there was one venue like that and it didn't work out and we looked and looked and looked and it, it was at some point like guys we got to make a decision here pretty soon because you know we're losing steam um, and you know it's a little frustrating too at times you know we have we all have different opinions we all want different things but at the same time, I think we have the commonality in that we want to grow our brand. We want to have a good venue for our guests, a great experience. And so we decided on Whittier and, and you know, it took a lot of time, a lot of different changes, uh, you know, a bunch of things at it. I think uh, we've got a great, uh, great product now um, that's going to be doing our brand justice. But, you know, the time and effort it takes to find a location, it, 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 it's overwhelming at times. So, you know, whoever's looking at a place, uh, don't settle at the first thing that you see. Keep looking. Keep looking. And even though it's not perfect, you can make it perfect in your own way. That's right. That's right. I mean, I think it, if at first you don't succeed, keep keep going, right? I mean, yep. isn't that the whole thing? So, okay, so you landed in Whittier. And... You haven't opened yet, and I know that many of us have been excited and eager to be there to experience what you've, uh, three of you have created. Now, tell us, um, how long did it take you? Because it's still not open. We're going to talk about a grand opening, but um, tell us how long did it take you from signing the lease until today, and why did it take that long? Oh, man. Yeah, it took close to two years. <laughs> yeah, it was, and, and like and like how my brother just mentioned that we kept on falling out of LOIs, which are um, letters of intent, and it, 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 we kept on jumping around to different towns in LA County. Uh, but once we found Whittier, when we fell in love with the space. It, it was nothing in regards to like the city giving us trouble. The city was really really good to us. Actually, it was just it was a process. I mean, you you have to go in front of the design review board. Uh, we had to change um, the the occupancy. Um, it, it was a it, it, there were several procedures in order for us to even submit plans and and get through planning and and building and and all that good stuff. But utilities have been a nightmare. It's uh, that building again, like how Raul mentioned. It, it used to be an optometry office, and there was not enough power. The gas lines were almost nothing. Uh, the water lines, uh, you got to keep in mind the, the amount of utilities a brewery needs, the power it drains, the, the amount of water, the amount of gas to, to heat up our, our boil uh, kettles. It, it's, it, it's, it's a, it, we had to revamp the building um, 
stuff that nobody could see or won't know about, but people in the industry know it's, it, that's what costs us time, money. And it, it was just a, it was a slow crawl to the finish line. And it's, <laughs> and it, it's, it's been a, a learning moment, but it, it, it's been hard. And, and we're finally getting to that point that we're getting so, so close to opening. And, and now you're like, Oh my God, I still have all these details to finalize. And, and I, I know I, we always keep on saying the same thing. You know, the devil's in the detail. We've, we've done so many things that you're, you're starting to come up and, and revamp the concept that first started one way and now pivots to this. And, and you just want to make this enjoyable for the community. And, and we've been at it for so long that we, we don't want to take any shortcuts. I feel like we're, we're so close to the finish line, but if we're not ready, like, we, we won't open. Like, we want this to be the, the place that people want to come out for a date, who want to take their, their loved ones and enjoy a birthday party or, or even go with some friends and, and sit at the bar and have a nice, nice, uh, nice cold beer. Um, but it's it, it's going to be an experience. That, that's what we want. We we want this to be enjoyable and something different than than anything you've seen in the brewery. And we we've done things that are, are different, um, like our speakeasy concept, the the whole mentality of it being a butcher shop and and not promoting our concept. Everybody down the line is going to know there's going to be a restaurant, but not even promoting it. It's it's a butcher shop. You walk in there and we're selling our kitchen cuts, prime meats. Japanese Wagyu, which you can't find really anywhere. Um, the first uh, true Japanese product that we're bringing in is is a it's a selected cut for us. It's called it's a drunken Wagyu, and you'll it, it, it'll be hard for you to find it, and it'll be extremely pricey on, online. But with us, you could source it at a competitive price, even though Japanese Wagyu is not cheap. But we have the opportunity through our USDA facility to offer a great great uh, uh, lineup of, of prime meats that nobody else can. Why? Because that's what we cater to. We, we service some of the higher end restaurants where it allows us to have that buying power and allows us to, to offer those products. Uh, but like I mentioned, our, our biggest uh, hurdle has been the, the clock. You, you want to open now because money is, is, is running lower and lower as the weeks go by and you keep on checking at your account. You're like, oh my God, what are we going to do now? Like credit cards start coming into play. It's just, it gets rough, but it, it, I wouldn't, uh, it's going to be worth it. And, and for us, it's, it's just, we just want to make it right. And we, we want it to be a place that our community enjoys and, and talks about and brings people from other parts of town to enjoy it and to experience it. The other thing that didn't help us time is COVID. You know, we opened up a business during COVID when many people shut down. Many breweries didn't operate for, you know, eight months because they were not allowed to. And that's in the back of our minds, too. Like, oh, my God, we're in the thick of it here. Are we going to be able to open? You know, everything's delayed. Parts are delayed. People, you know, are scared to come into work. They don't want to get sick. And by all means, you know, that's a great, uh, you know, valid excuse. Um, but that was really another monkey in the wrench that we we just it was there's no way no predictability this there's you know we're in uncharted waters where you're like oh what's gonna happen next like jeez like can we open can we do this can we operate so you know thank god we're you know the 
it's everything's on the up and up now. You see the the light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully, you know, we can put this whole COVID behind us as a society and as human beings and move forward. But yeah, that was another thing that we had to deal with. That you know, when we opened up Kitchen Cuts, yes, it took time, and but we never had to deal with the COVID issue or anything, anything like that. So that was something where I was. Yeah, at times I was like, oh my God, like, are we like, going to be able to pull this off? <laughs> or like, but, what are we doing? Like, yeah. why did he win? Why did he win do start this whole thing? But, you know, this is in the, in the downturns is when you, you have that opportunity to rise to the occasion. And it seems like that's what's going on with you guys. So even COVID or no COVID, I think the, your, the, your idea, your concept is amazing. Amigas, you have to go and visit um, when it opens up. And, you know, one of the things that I believe uh, sets this brewing company apart from other brewing companies in LA County is that there is this speak easy element to it. And um, who came up with that? Because I think that is a very important detail, huge detail to really elaborate upon. That was uh, Eric's idea on the, on the speakeasy. <laughs> of course. Yeah, kind of thinking that outside the box and trying to, we, we had an awkward space that we were, uh, we were trying to fill in, and but we wanted to make it different. And, and from the start, the guys, uh, we, we've had our, our disagreements, but we always, we've always worked to, uh, to a point to, to figure it out and make it work and, and see uh, and, and find a common middle. Um, so we, we decided on, on first it being kind of like a bottle shop. You walk in and, and once it was laid out on the plans, it just didn't look right. <laughs> and we're like, ah, I, uh, let's, think, uh, let's think again. Let, let's see what else we could do. And we're like, oh, coffee shop, uh, ice cream shop. Uh, but we, we always had that mentality. Like, let's, we're going to make a speakeasy 1920s because of the, the design. Um, the design work was done by, by my wife, Jessica. She, she knocked it out of the ballpark as far as the looks go. And, and once you, you walk in there, you'll see for yourself. Uh, and again, the whole devil in the details, like you'll see what it is. But uh, the building itself, there's only two different type of, of, of design, either a Spanish design or an art deco element on the architecture of the facade of the building. So we went with art deco. And, and what better uh, way to go with an art deco building with a, a 1920s speakeasy theme? Uh -huh. So we, we ended up doing that, uh, that front of a butcher shop. You walk in there and don't think there's a guy out there cutting meat. Oh, again, we're, we're processing everything at Kitchen Cuts, our USD facility. And again, it, it's all geared towards restaurant service. So you'll find some higher-end cuts that you won't find anywhere else. But uh, when you walk into our speakeasy, you'll see the, the showcase where you'll see tomahawks hanging. You'll see the, the Japanese loin uh, with its extreme marbling there to showcase and other uh, uh, middle cuts and some flat meat and some some ribs for for family barbecue so we wanted it uh, to to be a place where you walk in and you're able to purchase your meat and your beer and, and take it home and grill like a family barbecue um, there's other little miscellaneous items that uh, you won't find anywhere else we just wanted it to be more specialized and geared towards what we like whether it be a mole, whether it be some type of seasoning um, and, and making a, a, a cozy little marketplace before you walk into our speakeasy uh, tap room. 
So the, the, the location, again, it being geared towards the Art Deco theme and, and the design, um, we, we chose to go with the butcher shop uh, of the front of it. And, and again, making it a place that you could buy your meat and go home and barbecue. Um, but uh, the, the, the concept of a speakeasy did come from us. I, everybody had their input about it. Um, I, I feel like a lot of times I, I, I throw up all kinds of ideas and my wife kind of just puzzles it together and she makes it work. So it, it, my mind sometimes runs wild and she's the one who kind of helps me put the, the, the pieces together. But uh, she, she did an awesome job. And, and honestly, it's going to, I just can't wait for the community to check it out and see what, what we did. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go check it out. Well, I mean, I've been going in, you know, as it's been um, working out the kinks and whatnot. So now it's like, ready to go right i mean it's like mm -hmm. i know we're having a friends and family um but when is it going to be open for the community we probably shouldn't say it we don't want it because i know millions of people listen to this podcast and we don't want to get bombarded with you know with a lot of uh clients coming in or guests coming in our staff's not gonna be overwhelmed uh but it, it all depends really how the friends and family goes. Like Eric said, if, if we're not ready to go live, we, you know, we expect some good hard feedback from family and friends because I know they genuinely want us to succeed and wouldn't lie to us and say, oh yeah, this is great. It is great when the experience is not great. Because I know there's so many details, like you were talking about the fact that um, the whole COVID just put a wrench into things. And so then service is also a thing like, if there's no people, then there's no business, right? Yep. So I'm really excited. I'm 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 looking forward to the family event. Um, I know that you will get a lot of feedback because <laughs> our family does not know how to hold back, and that's what yeah. you need. Us, and that's, and that's, what, that's what we need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm. We we have to have thick skin. <laughs> I'm excited for you guys. This is amazing. Um, I know that we're getting at the end of our conversation. And so one of the things that I always ask my listeners, because this is Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. And now that we have men being interviewed, and I'm always curious to find out from men such as yourselves, um, what do you find as a great quality for um, that you see in women on how they handle their shit? Uh, well, I, I believe uh, women all handle their shit all the time. You know, um, I think, it, it, you know, in all honesty, it, it's harder to be a woman in the workforce than it is a man. Um, you know, so I would just, you know, I, I respect all women and their work ethic and how they come to work. I mean, a kitchen cuts 50% of our, of our staff is, is female and it's very labor intensive. Um, we hired our first uh, butcher female um so it's just women that are confident in what they do and are responsible um, and hard working i mean it always comes down to hard work you put in what you get in uh or you get in what you put in so it's it's really just the work ethic and and your self-worth be confident you know oh yeah for sure yeah. and also ambition the women that that are ambitious and and drive to excel they they'll get there uh, there's plenty of women that i've seen that, that are hustling and and have the personality to carry them in sales and 
and they keep on growing because people follow them and they, they follow their lead at times. And, and a lot of the, 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 the women that I've interacted with in the sales, they're driven. They're, they're, they're risk takers because a lot of them uh, are based on commission. And, and being a, a risk taker is, is important, especially in business. And, and if you have that drive, that, that, that motivation, that, that, that kind of boils in your belly and, and springs up into to action, it's it, you'll find success in any element or any business that you put your mind into. Oh my God. Yes. Well, thank you so much for that. And then also I just wanted to make sure that, um, that you guys tell us what is one thing that you wish you had known before starting this new company. That COVID was going to hit. <laughs> 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 Not to make light of the of the pandemic, right? But but you know, we had a crystal ball, of course. You know, I think everybody can agree with that. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I mean, and then uh, you know, just budget-wise, you know, it's really a lot more what we anticipated. You know, we built buildings, we've done other projects, but this was our first brewery, so we had a kind of a guesstimation of what it was going to cost, but you know, it kind of went a little bit overboard. Um, but yeah, if I would have had one thing is like, all right, let's plan a little better. But now we know we have a blueprint now. So second one will go a lot smoother. Oh, absolutely. So the whole thing is rinse and repeat. You rinse what you've done, you've done and you repeat it. If it works, you got the blueprint, you keep on moving forward. So I'm, I'm gathering that this will be one of many breweries. Is that true? We hope that's the plan. And well then, I am so happy there's one that I can go to now. And I'm sure we'll be uh, seeing other ones. And I'm so grateful to you guys for being on Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jack. Love you. Thank you. Love you, love you too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.